You're listening to Law & Disorder with Pine County Attorney Reese Fredrickson on the WCMP On Demand. It's time for some Law & Disorder brought to you by Melzark Sewer & Excavation. And Reese, just for you, I accidentally wore my Melzark Sewer & Excavation hat um, that you gave me or whatever. And it's, uh, it's stylish, I'll tell you that much. I like it. I, that's the first thing I noticed when I walked in here. You have a nice, the, the nice orange one. It's I, it's bright. It's yeah. it's it's my color. Uh, of course, my favorite color has always been orange, but uh, um, for some reason this board doesn't want to work this morning. But uh, my favorite color has always been orange. So the brighter the orange, the more obnoxious. Because for some reason, Reese, I, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm people consider me an obnoxious guy. So like <laughs> the obnoxious colors really fit my personality, you know. Like you always, you always dress up super fancy because it always fits your personality. You oh, got two? You. No, just one watch on today. Uh, just one watch, yeah. Wow. You you need some money, buddy? Are you doing <laughs> you doing okay financially? Only one watch on today? Well, you know it is past the Christmas season. Yeah, so, yeah that's, that's true. It was, it was it was a rough Christmas season. I'll give you that much. Um, what do we have to talk about today? Sure. For today, I thought we'd talk about uh, individual named Ursel Jamie Watts. Um, Ursel E R S E L. I'm going to do my best not to say Urkel. Um, I have a little voice in my head that tells me not to do that. Well, Family Matters was a great show. I'll give you that. You know, I was worried that you weren't going to catch that reference. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Uh, the Family Matters was probably actually one of my uh, more favorite shows because we didn't have uh, we, we weren't that fancy cable family. I didn't get direct TV until like I was like 17 or something like that. So I was pretty old by the time we actually got that extra one. So Family Matters was one of the shows I got to watch. So I did get the reference, yes. Oh, good. I'm, I'm happy about that because sometimes I feel kind of old because some of the references just kind of go over your head. And, you're a little old to be I, honest. I, I guess I <laughs> So with uh, uh, Mr. Watts, we had two cases on him. They were predatory offender registration violation cases. And to understand this, I thought I'd talk a little bit about predatory offender registrations. What does that mean? And most people probably call them sex offender registrations in Minnesota. The law calls them predatory offender registrations or PORs. And with that, what that means is if you're convicted of a, a certain list of crimes, and that includes, say, murder where there's a, a criminal sexual conduct involved, any of the crim sex felony crimes, um, say, solicitation of a minor, uh, possession of uh, pornography involving a minor, things like that, you have, you have a requirement to register as a predatory offender. And for the, sex, for the felony sex crimes and for the, the murder sex crime, that registration is lifetime. You have to register lifetime. And for the other crimes on the list, it's 10 years. So if you are in that category, and so you've either been uh, convicted of those crimes or say at one point you were charged with a crime but maybe convicted of a different crime not on the list, you still have to register. Oh, okay. So if you are a a POR person, uh, what you have to do is um, you have to basically register any changes of uh, your address. And what happens is um, after conviction, somebody from the Department of Corrections sits down with a person and they have a – it's a packet – And they go through the packet line by line. And literally every line on the packet has a spot for initials. So they'll say, you must register all changes to local law enforcement before you move, at least five days before you move somewhere else. Do you understand that? Do you have any questions? And then once they're done with that line, they initial it and go to the next one. So the key is that they understand what they have to do. And there's no Mm -hmm. question about that. So things that they have to do. 
they have to register changes address as I mentioned. If they leave a primary address and don't have a new one, they have to register within 24 hours of the jurisdiction that they are staying in. So, you know, if you're registered in Carleton and you decide, well, I'm out of here, I'm gonna go down and hang out with my buddy in Pine County, you gotta show up at the Pine County Sheriff's Office and register that mm -hmm. you're there. If you go to a new state, you have to register in writing and provide verification to Minnesota. You've got to register all your vehicles, your employment, um, if you go to any school that you go to. If you have any real property in your name in Minnesota, it's got to be registered. Places where you may stay overnight occasionally, got to register. So there's a lot. And a lot of this is compiled by the BCA and local law enforcement. And what they do is with these packets, once those registrations are put together, they send out um, verification. So they'll send like a verification and they have 10 days to send that verification back. And that's how we get a lot of these people is they don't send their verifications back. So, you know, they're not at an address or mm -hmm. comes back returned. So with these uh, offenses, um, if you say, if you're within a 10 year period, you don't, and you violate a registration um, or you commit a new offense, you add time. So you add five years onto it. So I've got a lot of cases where persons started out 10 years and they ended up being uh, a predatory offender for over 20 because they keep violating or getting more cases. Now, uh, related to that, you probably heard of like the level three sex offenders. Um, I'm, I'm aware of it. Yeah, I don't know what that what <laughs> okay. that means. I try to stay away from, to be honest, all sex offenders, Reese. I don't really care which level. That's a good um, idea. But uh, three is the worst, right? Absolutely. Three is the worst. So there are three levels and... This is related to the predatory offender registration. So people that are on this uh, POR list, once um, they're released from confinement um, or they're uh, placed on some kind of supervision, the Department of Corrections assigns them a level. So it's a one, two, or three. And one is the lowest, and that means there's a low risk of reoffending. And I, they determine this through assessments and stuff. And with that level, it determines who gets notified. So with the level one, Basically, the only people that are going to get notified are law enforcement agencies, um, victims, and witnesses in that case. Nobody else gets notified. Level two is a moderate risk, and then the notification expands. So it includes the level one notifications plus um, other places where there's regular contact, such as daycares or educational institutions, things like that. But then nobody else gets to um, know. And then level three, as you mentioned, they're high risk, and those are the ones where they send out the community notifications. And that's when you see the ones on the news and say, hey, level three is coming into your neighborhood. And Department of Corrections and local law enforcement have typically a community meeting to discuss what level threes mean and, and the steps that they're taking to monitor those people. So that's how that system works in a nutshell. Um, I, I'd give a shout out to to the people that work in that system. There, there are teams of people that deal with these level threes and these notifications um, with the Department of Corrections or agents. They're outstanding in what they do, um, some of the unsung heroes of the criminal justice system, but they're out there making sure that these people are held accountable and keeping us safe. So with that kind of primer, we'll go into Mr. Watts and what he okay. did here. So in um, June of 2019, um, an investigator is reviewing jail videos because obviously things are recorded there. Um, and in jail? Yeah, oh yeah, there's a big sign. But there's cameras there, okay. Everybody disregards the sign, so okay. whatever. I'm not uh, giving out any secrets by saying that. But So we're looking at a case, an investigator's watching an inmate and a visitor. Um, 
and the visitor mentions that he's living with Ursel Watts at a campground in Pine City. And, of course, the investigator, uh, we know who our predatory offenders are. Right away, Ursel Watts, predatory offender, and he thinks, I, I don't think he's allowed to be in a campground. And so um, he goes further in the tapes, and he finds out later that this visitor says, oh, I'm now living with Ursel Watts up in Sandstone at another campground. And so, of course, the investigator goes, checks out Ursel Watts' registration, and finds that Watts' only residence is listed on Main Street in Rutledge. And so once we have that, the next thing that the investigator does is he actually physically goes to the house, which is how these always start, sees, uh, walks around the house that they're supposedly registered at and see if anybody's living there, and this place is obviously vacant. Um, and nobody's, nobody's there at all. And then we always should do step two of that investigation as you go talk to the neighbors because, um, you know, love small towns because people know what their neighbors are doing. Mm-hmm. So he goes and knocks on the neighbor's house. The neighbor says, yeah, the Ursula Watts was kicked out in May. And I know this because I go over there and I watch the house. So now we have um, uh, Ursula Watts is a predatory offender that's violated his registration. And so they go through the campgrounds. They look in Pine City, they look up Sandstone, they can't find him. Eventually they find him hanging out on his buddy's couch in some house in Sandstone. <laughs> they, and obviously he's violated on that, and they tell him, you got to go register. You can't be doing this. And so at the end of June, he goes out and he registers, and he writes down the Rutledge address again on his POR registration. And then, of course, once he does that, he doesn't move into the residence. BCA sends another notification. Notification bounces back, and in August, uh, when the BCA contacts the sheriff and says, go check out this registrant, the investigator goes back to Rutledge, the house looks worse than it did before. There's no gas, no electricity, no water. You know, the grass is high, and obviously there's nobody inside the house. And they find out that he hasn't been there in months. And so they uh, they look, uh, where else is he registered? He, he registers an employer in Pine City. They go check with the employer. employer says, now nah, he quit his job a month ago. We don't know where he is. Eventually, they, they find him uh, living in a car down by the river in Sandstone, Cliche, but okay. Yeah, cliche. I, I just wish it was a van, but yeah, yeah it was a car. Can't can't win them all, right? And that's an old reference too. So, I I I'm aware of the van by the river, okay. um, but <laughs> I was never alive during that time. But yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, I was. I, I watched it when it was brand new. I can admit that. Um, and this, of course, he's he's arrested, and so now we've got two cases against him because of the June case where um, he's, you know, in his campgrounds and he has a register's address and then he registers his address. So that starts a new case in August. So we have two cases. And when somebody's convicted of uh, predatory offender registration, the presumptive sentence is prison. You go directly to prison. Uh, they don't mess around with these type of things. This is a, a community public safety thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always some discretion maybe to put them on probation. It's something that I don't like to do because I... You don't mess around with this. Um, Sounds like multiple chances, too, when you get this, because, I mean, not only do they go to the place and be like, oh, he clearly isn't living here. The neighbor said he isn't living here. They basically, the next time they saw him, told him he had to register, and then he did it basically again. So, I mean, that sounds like he was already given a couple multiple chances there before it even got too deep. Oh, exactly. You know, and as we say, we give him enough rope to kind of hurt himself on that thing, so... Um, 
Yeah, exactly. And so uh, with that evidence, uh, he ends up pleading guilty. Um, and in both cases, he goes to prison, and it's uh, 24 months on each case. And with predatory offender registrations, uh, most cases, most felonies in Minnesota law are what we call concurrent. So if you get, say, two cases or 24 months each, you serve only 24 months because mm-hmm. they, they're right on top of each other. With predatory offender registrations, they're what we call permissive consecutive. So there's an option of concurrent, option of consecutive. In this case, it's consecutive. And so it's 24 months, and when he's done with that 24 months, he starts another 24 months. Mm-hmm. So he ends up in prison for a total of 48 months. And that sounds like a pretty uh, decent outcome for the, I would say, the community that they put at risk. Obviously, I think a lot of people would say, well, it's still... Still, Minnesota's maybe a little bit too lenient overall on some of that stuff because I would say that's a direct community-like danger for a lot of people not knowing that a predatory offender is living within that community that they are. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why um, these type of sentences, that's why it's presumptive prison. You have to send a message, mm-hmm. and it's really simple. I mean, you know where you're living. If you're, if you're going to move, all you have to do is tell Mm-hmm. Tell law enforcement, hey, I'm moving. This is my new address. Um, let the BCA know. It's it's very simple. But um, the fact that he ignored a simple thing like this, put the community at risk, uh, he deserved what he got. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I, I hopefully don't ever need the information that you've given me today that I've uh, learned a lot more about. And uh, But I appreciate the educational thing. Uh, anything else for today, Reese? Uh, just a quick plug that uh, Pine County businesses and nonprofits, there are still grants available. So um, if you want to take a look at my Facebook site, I think WCMP's got an article about mm-hmm. it. Um, the deadline is February 5th. So I just want to throw that plug out there. It's important stuff if you're struggling with COVID. Yep. Make sure you take advantage of those uh, grants because I, I believe the word grants means that it's it's I, free money is aggressive word, but uh, it's money that you can basically have for free if you mi- meet the qualifications. So That's exactly right. It's not a loan. So if you have no excuse, go out and get the money. It's your tax dollars. You might as well get it right back. Reese, thanks for stopping on by, my friend, and I guess we'll probably talk to you next month. I look forward to it. Thank you. You have been listening to a WCMP production.